Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. We appreciate everyone, at least six views. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening, whoever you are, wherever you are. You know, we're studying through the book of uh, Hebrews, and uh, we're going to just cover 12 verses today, not the whole chapter. It's, uh, there's a lot in it, and uh, somewhat complicated. But anyway, let's read from verse 1, chapter 6. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. And God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. May God give us understanding of his holy word this morning. Amen. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Father, again, it's so good to be here. We thank you for those that are watching and those that are listening. 
And we pray you'll give us understanding of these some very complicated and many misunderstood verses in Scripture. Uh, may you enlighten us, give us understanding of the meanings, and may we be built up in the faith to continue to walk with you and not fall away and preserve us we pray through our obedience to the very end in jesus name amen so this chapter it's definitely um, one of the most uh, difficult and misunderstood chapters in the whole bible uh, so we're really going to have to concentrate this morning to really understand what it means uh, because there's so many different uh, misunderstandings regarding just these few verses, the first 12 verses in particular. I've entitled this message, uh, Warning Against Falling Away, and we'll explain what falling away means shortly. We learn from the last chapter, the readers of this letter, they were spiritually immature. In other words, they were lazy regarding their spiritual growth. Uh, the writer, whom we don't know who it is, he was concerned that they would miss out on the deeper meanings of the word of God. So he wants to encourage them to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. He wants them to grow up and mature in their faith, to get away, to not focus on the elementary teachings of, of Christ, but to focus and to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, not to just be tied up with the teachings of the Old Testament, which all point to Christ anyway. The Old Testament was designed to show us that we're sinners, and point us to Jesus Christ to be saved. That's the whole point. Plus it also uh, revealed God's standard of righteousness. Amen? Perfect standard of righteousness. Just those ten commandments, which none of us can keep unless we have and receive the Holy Spirit. Then we're able to keep them. But not 100% of the time. That's impossible. Now, following uh, rules and regulations is not what saves us or changes us. You know, God's in the business, if you like, of wanting to change us and become more like Jesus. And he's got a long way to go with me. I don't know about you. So the writer in the book of Hebrews, he gives warnings to those considering falling away from the Christian faith, backsliding. And some of us are familiar with that word, but a lot of us don't really know what it means to fall away, to backslide. So I did some research regarding falling away. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 describes the apostate, could be male or female, someone who has not only tasted the goodness of the word and later rejects it. Uh, Jesus illustrates apostasy with the rocky soil. Some fall away or backslide 
because they have no root. All right. Um, he's not committed himself to God. Such a person might be attending church, uh, reading his Bible, listening to Christian music, hanging out with Christian friends. He likes the wholesome atmosphere and good company that being around Christians affords. But his heart has never been changed. He's never been born again. Eventually he backslides or apostatizes. He's never taken Christianity for a test drive and decided he wasn't buying it. So we'll, we'll learn a bit more about what falling away means. And not just someone who isn't saved. A Christian can fall away and backslide. In verse 4 it said, It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. So this is not talking about someone who's unsaved. This is talking about believers who've been enlightened. They've not only tasted the heavenly gift, they've shared in the Holy Spirit and they've tasted of the goodness of the word of God. Once you've been enlightened and you've received the Holy Spirit, then you're saved. It's not talking about the unsaved here. Without understanding the context of these verses, some people assume wrongly it's referring to a Christian losing their salvation, right? You would get that impression, couldn't you, by reading those, that verse. But the key word is tasted, tasted. It could refer to those that have had a taste of the gospel, but truly never received it. They never consumed it. You know, you can taste something without taking it in to the system, can't you? that referred to some people that have heard the gospel they've tasted it but it's repugnant to them they don't like the taste they've never consumed it they've never received it you understand it could refer to someone who's not saved at all but this verse is referring to christians if you're truly saved you've been enlightened you've you've shared in the holy spirit you've tasted the goodness of the word of god it's impossible for those to lose their salvation. True Christians have not only tasted the word of God, but also consumed it, are truly saved. They've, they've consumed the meat of the word. They're truly saved. Yet these people, and we could be included in this group, we can fall away, even though we have been born again. We can fall away. We can backslide. And this group that he's writing to were in that spiritual condition. They were in danger of falling away and turning away from the things of the Lord, from believing faith in Jesus Christ, to backslide, to backslide. Is another definition of a backslidden Christian. In a Christian context, what does it mean to backslide? It implies movement away from Christ rather than toward him. 
someone who is going in the wrong way, the wrong direction, spiritually, regressing rather than progressing. The backslider had at one time demonstrated a commitment to Christ or maintained a certain standard of behavior, but has since reverted to old ways. Backsliding may manifest itself in several ways. Dropping out of church. You know anyone that's done that? I can give you a whole list. Dropping out of church. Losing fervor for the Lord. Walking away from a ministry or a family. Or falling back into old habits. That's what a backslider does. That's what they do. And we can all be in that condition if we're not careful. Now, since the majority of these verses in the Bible makes it clear that we cannot lose our salvation, the vast, vast majority, there's only maybe one or two that are questionable. One of them is right there in verse 4. But the vast majority of the Bible teaches that once saved, always saved, you cannot lose your salvation. Amen? And uh, we have time. Let's just go over to the book of John, just for those of you that are concerned about losing your salvation. Let's go to John chapter 10, and there's numerous, and we haven't got time to go into them all, obviously. Verse 27, I think I need cataract surgery and all. In fact, I do. They say, oh, everyone gets cataracts eventually, and I'm getting them. So where are we, 27? It's not fun getting older, is it? <laughs> Someone agreed. All right. Boy, hang on a second. There we go. I was blind, but now I see. All right, look at uh, verse 27 of John chapter 10. Jesus is talking here. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. How long is never? Forever, right? They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So, be encouraged. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can backslide. Some of us have been in that condition since we've been saved. The writer does give a warning, however, against having the shallow faith that causes us to wander, to wander, to, to take the wrong path. 
and to fall away, which not only leads to disobedience, but also to doubting our salvation. And it's not a very pleasant condition to be in when you're in that condition as a backslider because you know you're living in rebellion against God and you're out of fellowship with God and you don't have the peace of God. Anyone been in that condition? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not very pleasant. The outcome of falling away from following Christ is explained in verse 6. And who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. A Christian who falls into doubt and disbelief and disobedience is sliding down the path of rebellion and discontentment. Plus, the eyes of the unsaved are on the backsliding Christian. And they can bring shame and discredit on the Lord that they once professed to believe in by their lifestyle, by their disobedience. I could give you numerous examples. I'm not going to do it. There's one particular friend of mine. And the Lord took him, took him home. Uh, he ended up becoming uh, completely disabled. He was going around, you know, saying the Lord this and the Lord that and everyone knowing. In fact, they called him the preacher. But he wasn't living the life. And God in his mercy took him home. You know, bringing a public disgrace, crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to a public disgrace. It's a terrible condition to be in. And once a person is that, in that frame of mind, only true repentance on their part will bring them back into a right relationship with the Lord once again. That's true repentance and giving up that backsliding lifestyle and walking with the Lord once again. And that the graciousness of God allows us to do that. He forgives us and we can get back into fellowship once again. In the eyes of the unsaved, are on the backsliding Christian. They can bring shame and discredit on the Lord. And once a person is that frame of mind, only true repentance will bring them back. Now verse seven and eight, it explains God's method of restoring backsliders whose immaturity led them to fall away in the first place. And it's like a metaphor in verse 7, it says, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. 
However, but land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless as in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So the writer here, whoever he was, is using an illustration of a farmer's field, yes? When it rains, the field can produce good crops, but it could also produce, as you well, well know, you know, we have a difficult time trying to maintain and grow good plants, but we don't have a problem growing weeds. The rain will bring both. Weeds, thorns, and thistles. That's what the rain brings in the field, right? Productive fields are a blessing to the sower. In this case, who's the sower? God is the sower. Productive fields are a blessing to the sower. But weed-choked fields are useless to anyone. They're only fit to be burned. Why? So the, the field can produce a good crop. Get rid of the weeds. Burn them up. Produce the good crop. Now, meaning, a Christian who's, whose faith is shallow and fall away from following the Lord will experience divine judgment. They'll experience divine judgment unless they repent, unless they turn from their sin and walk with the Lord once again, ask for forgiveness and be restored back into fellowship. Does that mean that they'll lose their salvation? No. It doesn't mean they're going to get burned up in hell. It doesn't mean that at all. Useless weeds have to be burned up in order for the field to be restored, and that's the key word restoration, to be restored, to produce a good crop, to be a blessing to the Lord, the farmer. So this doesn't imply that the backsliding Christian is going to lose his salvation, but he will, he can be disqualified and judged accordingly before being restored back into fellowship. That's the whole purpose of God's divine judgment on the backslider. It's so that they can be restored, not burned up and obliterated, to be restored back into fellowship, to produce good crop, to produce good fruit in their lives. Not to punish them for the sake of punishing them and making them suffer, it's to bring them back to repentance. Amen? Now, verse, the last three verses. I told you these were complicated. Very complicated. In verses 9 through 12, the writer is more positive, which is a, you know, a refreshing change for what we've just heard. Amen? Positive. Because he believes those Christians that were in danger of falling away, they will grow in their faith and they will produce good fruit and be a blessing to the sower, the Lord. He said, even though we, this is verse 9, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case 
the things that have to do with salvation. So we know the writer here, he's been criticizing those Hebrew Christians, hasn't he? For their lack of spiritual maturity and their shallow faith. But now he commends them for doing well, for their service for God and their love for other people. You know, God sees the good things, the good works that we do. And we don't always get thanks for it, do we? You know, this, I think we have a loving church here. I believe so. We have a loving church and we have people that love people and people that love the unsaved. And I can give you numerous examples. And I know the Turkish cooking and, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll wait. It's not going away. It's in the oven, honestly. It's not going to walk away. Um, I'll give you one example. I had two girls came here one day. and never, I didn't know them, never seen them before. They were probably about 15 years old, maybe 16 at the most. So they want to see the pastor. So said, okay. I had no idea what it was about. I went into the study. They both sat down. I said, well, what can I do for you? How can I help with you? One of them's crying. She said, she's just lost her baby. She couldn't have been any more than 16. And uh, the baby, it was a crib death, what we call a cot death in England. Baby died in the crib, not very old. And uh, they said um, they wanted me to do the service for the baby. They then got two pennies to rub together, the whole family. So we got together with the, uh, I guess it was the trustees. Can you remember this record? I don't know whether you can or not. Got together with the trustees. We did it. We had a funeral here for the baby. First one I've ever done for a baby. Very, very difficult for the family. And then our church family, they put on a meal, a reception for the two families. No, no charge, no cost. Did a graveside service. No charge, no cost. So that's love in action. That's just one example. I can give you numerous, but that's love in action. Did they come back to the church? No. Would have been great if they did, but they didn't. But that was oh, it's a tremendous testimony to the love of Christ shown to those people that needed it. So that's just one example. I can give you numerous. And the writer is commending these Christians for their love for other people and their service for God. And he said in verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So based on these passages of scripture, a person can serve God they can love other people, they can do good works, yet still have an immature attitude to Christian truth. Service to God and loving others is commendable, amen? And it's good. But it's also important to love the word of God and to grow in wisdom. That's number nine, those that have got a handout. That's the answer right there. It's important to love the word of God 
and to grow in wisdom. Almost finished. And he said, we want each one of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Service to the Lord to the very end, to our last breath, ensures that we are following the will of God for our lives. He doesn't want us to fall away. Verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We're talking about inherited rewards for Christians. God is absolutely fair and just. There is no doubt whatsoever that he recognizes the good deeds that we do and the labor of love and the hard work and the faithfulness of his people. And he will reward them accordingly. Accordingly. At the judgment seat of Christ, we will be rewarded. So, let's conclude. Rather than putting ourselves at risk of falling away, of backsliding, we need to diligently live out our faith to the very end. Amen? To the very end of our lives till we take our last breath. That's what Jesus did. He was faithful to the very end until he took his last breath. And the last thing that he said was, it is finished. It is finished. It doesn't mean that we have to try to earn our salvation. That's secure. We are secure. We will not lose our salvation. If we've been enlightened, we've received the Holy Spirit, we cannot lose. We cannot be unborn again. All right? It doesn't mean that we're going to lose our salvation. But simply keep the faith. As someone I know keeps saying to me, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Anyone said that to you? Keep the faith. Well, it's him that keeps us, right? It's him that keeps us. We need to keep the faith and never forget. You want to stay on the right path and not fall away? You want to stay on the right path and not backslide? Focus on what Jesus did and the price that he paid on that cross. That'll keep us honest. That'll keep us honest. But once we take our eyes off the Lord, oh, that's when we're in trouble. That's when we're in trouble. Let us daily be led, be filled with the Holy Spirit to follow the will of God, because he's got a plan for each one of our lives, by our obedience so that's what backsliding is. It's disobedience 
to the will of God. And a Christian can live like that. Let's live our life in obedience to the word of God. Amen? And that way we'll be mature. We'll be mature. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I know this is very complicated. It's highly uh, misunderstood verses in this chapter. Of course, there was no chapters when it was first written by the writer. The chapters were put in to make it more understandable and break it up. Uh, but it's just as relevant today as it was when it was first written. And these verses have been taken out of context to assume that we can lose our salvation once we've been saved. It doesn't teach that at all. It teaches those of us that have been enlightened that we have received the Holy Spirit are truly saved, but uh, we're in danger of being disobedient and falling away from following Christ. And that's what these readers were in danger of doing, reverting back to the old ways and not living out their faith in Christ to the very end. Help us to do that, we pray. By your grace, keep us faithful, uh, remembering that you were faithful to us and you completed your mission and went to the cross and suffered and died in our place so we wouldn't have to be completely lost and go to a lost eternity and be separated from God forever and ever. And I hope those of you that are listening, you've never received Jesus as your personal savior. All you need to do is believe, believe, believe. Make the choice in your mind and receive, call upon the name of Jesus Christ to save you, a sinner, and believe that he died in your place so you wouldn't have to pay the price, the penalty. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But there's good news. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Lord. So if you believe that he died for you, which he did, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead, and you believe that he is Lord, and call upon his name to save you, then he will, because he's promised that in his word. And in God's never lied yet, and he never will. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you, and thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.